Well, this week we're going to be <coughs> returning to a series that we have been doing in 1 Corinthians. Uh, we've had a, a few weeks break or a couple of months break from that. And we're going through 1 Corinthians. Sometimes we're doing it kind of verse by verse, an exposition. Other times we're using it as a springboard to talk about different subjects. We want to be open to the Spirit, we want to see where God leads us. But essentially what we're looking at in this book is what what it says about the church. That's what we're trying to get out of it, what it says about the church, what it means to be church. And we're still in chapter 1, actually. You might not have realized this because we've jumped around quite a bit, but actually we're still in chapter 1. We've been uh, working through chapter 1 as if it was like a bit of a contents page. So we've been picking out some themes in the contents page, and then we've been leaping forward to the, the passage that deals with uh, what's in the contents page. So last time we looked at the culture of the church. Uh, we picked out from the words of the apostle, this, the apostle, this staggering respect and honor that he held the church in, even though the church was in a right mess at the time, all sorts of problems going on. But Paul still treated the church with incredible respect and honor. Well, the next thing in our contents page is verse 7, which is about spiritual gifts. Now, I know I spoke on spiritual gifts a bit. I looked at it uh, a bit in May last year. And if you've got time, it would be great if you could perhaps listen to that again, because we talked in May last year about the baptism and the Holy Spirit. We talked about uh, tongues, the gift of tongues, and we also talked about prophecy. So we're not going to so much look at the gifts, uh, but we're going to be assuming a bit of knowledge of those, but want to keep our focus on the church. So what is it like to be a church, and what it's like to be a church where spiritual gifts are a crucial part of us meeting together? So over the next few weeks, as the title of the series shows up there on the screen, we're going to be looking at the spiritual atmosphere of the church the spiritual atmosphere of the church, does that whet your appetite, get you excited? Yes. <laughs> My wife is excited. Anybody else excited? The spiritual atmosphere of the church. Talking about atmospheres. <laughs> right, I was reading this article last week in the Daily Mail. I just needed to confess, Vicky, I read the Daily Mail last week. Yeah. So, But I read this really interesting Article. I don't know if you saw it. It was about these atmospheric rivers that are currently running across the UK. They're coming out of the Atlantic, being carried by the jet stream, and they're sort of above our heads somewhere. And these rivers, apparently, we can't we can't see them, but um, they're massive. And some of them, or most of them, or all of them, maybe I don't know. But anyway, these rivers contain as much water as the Amazon, each one of these rivers. So that's four times as much as the Thames, uh, a thousand times more water than the Thames. And we can't see them, as I said, but we can see the effect of them because these rivers are thought to be causing our current weather system and the rain, increased amounts of rain that we've been receiving over the last few years. And they've just discovered these rivers and they're having a phenomenal effect on us. Atmospheric rivers atmospheric rivers crossing our country. And, you know, as I was reading this, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, as in the natural, so in the spiritual. As in the natural, so in the spiritual, 
that there are atmospheric rivers crossing our nation at the moment, that there are incredible resources available to us just above our heads. We can't see them, but we can feel the effect on them. And it just seems to me that all we have to do to access these supernatural atmosphere-changing rivers is to kind of put our hands up and pull them down into our lives by faith and into the church as well. I felt that the Holy Spirit said to me that these rivers were just outside, just within our reach. I don't know what you think about that, but I've been quite impacted by it. I was at a conference this week and uh, I just sensed these rivers while we were worshipping and some of the things that just came down, some of the things that happened in that conference just confirmed it to me really because I felt like God was saying there's going to be something of the fear of God coming down from these rivers and there was the fear of God in the atmosphere as we worship. So before we go any further, and we're talking about the spiritual atmosphere of the church, I want us to just stand, and I just want us to put our hands up and call out and ask God to send these rivers amongst us. Is that okay with you? Let's just raise our hands. And I'm going to lead us in prayer. And I say, Lord Jesus, we ask you that you would send a deluge of your spirit on us. Lord, as in the natural, so in the spiritual. We want to pull down, Lord, your resources into our lives and into our church. We ask you, Lord, for signs and wonders and miracles. Lord, we call them down, Lord. We, we ask you, Father, for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, for revival fire to come amongst us in these days. We pray, Lord, for world-changing, atmosphere-changing power in these days. In Jesus' name, we ask you for that, Father. And Lord, as we do this series, we just pray, Lord, that the atmosphere would change amongst us as a church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, please take your seat. So I'm going to look at two passages today. I'm going to look first of all at this contents page, as I'm calling it. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And see that despite all the problems that they've been having in Corinth, Paul sees a church without any lack in spiritual gifts. Let's just read the passage. I'm going to put it in context for you, but especially want to focus on verse 7 today. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. Paul says this, I always thank God for you because of the grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way. In all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. And he will keep you strong in the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Amen. So especially verse 7, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. I love this. I love the idea of this, of a church that doesn't lack any spiritual gift. 
doesn't lack them at all. There's about 22 spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. There are probably more because there are all sorts of subsections of gifts. But what Paul was saying, he says, I look at you and despite all your problems, what I can see is that you're not lacking any spiritual gift. The grace of God is so upon you, church, that you don't lack anything. And you can be sure that it wasn't just the elders. This is not just written to a person. This is written to the saints, the whole church. And Paul is saying it's not just the elders, not just the leaders. These gifts are spread out across the church. It's a kind of corporate manifestation of the grace of God over the church. And I just think that's wonderful. A church that doesn't lack any spiritual gifts. There's something about their atmosphere There's something about what it felt like to be in that church. It just seemed that wherever you turned, somebody somewhere had a prophecy for someone. Wouldn't that be wonderful? As we gather together, a word of wisdom perhaps. You meet somebody in town and you're just trying to work out what to do and you bump into Pauline and you sit down and you have a coffee with her and there it is, within minutes, a word of wisdom from the Lord. Coffee with Pauline, I recommend it. Or Des, you know. A church that doesn't lack any spiritual gift. Every member playing their part. That's what he saw. He just couldn't escape it. And you know, as I look around here today, and I know lots of you, and I know that there are many gifts amongst us as a church, Many gifts, many spiritual gifts, many gifted people here. I wonder, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever used the gift of prophecy, why don't you just put your hand up for a minute? Just use the gift of prophecy. Fantastic. Look at all those people who've prophesied in this church. What about the gift of tongues? Have you ever used the gift of tongues? If you just put your hand up. The gift of tongues. Look at that. Just look around the room. How many gifted people We've got about. What about the word of wisdom? Has anybody consciously used the word of wisdom? Somebody's come to you and you've just not known the answer. And suddenly it's come to you. The word of wisdom. Yeah? Look at this. What about the gift of helps? You've just felt, I just, I just want to help that person and you feel such a strength to do it, just to go and help them. There you go. Look, some of them are apostles in helps. Like this Margaret Green here. What about faith, the gift of faith? Healing? Wonderful. Everybody who put their hand up, stand up a minute. I want to pray for you. And Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you for the gifts that you've already given us as a church. And Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name that you would increase the gifts amongst us. So Holy Spirit, just come now and let there be a fresh anointing of giftedness upon this group of people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to do lots of standing up and sitting down today. I just feel like it. Okay. So we've got lots of gifts. We've got lots of gifted people amongst us. But are they part of the atmosphere? Are spiritual gifts a part of our atmosphere? Is there an expectation of spiritual gifts when we meet when we bump into somebody in town, do we come to church desperate to hear from God and full of hope and faith that, yeah, if I come to church today, God's going to speak to me. I remember once, uh, Alison was pregnant with Sam. 
Some of you will have heard this story, but it's a good one. Alice was pregnant with Sam, and she went into uh, the hospital to have a scan, and they said, there's a problem. You've got a low-lying placenta. Now, that just means something not good. I don't know what else it means. But we had a low-lying placenta, which meant that there might be problems later on with giving birth. There's a nurse at the back who can explain it later. But that's all I know. So we came to church saying, God, we're really upset about this. We had a terrible first pregnancy. We did. We had a really difficult time. We don't want another one. We trust you with this. But please, will you speak to us this morning? And somebody came up the front and said, I've got a word for somebody here. I don't know who it is. But it's that you've got a problem in your stomach. Low down. It's in your stomach. There's a problem there. And God says, it's okay. You don't need to worry about it. And as she said it, the Spirit of God just fell on Alison. And she just said, oh, peace, I know, I know that it's going to be okay. God has spoken. And it was. There was no problem at all. It corrected itself. Just wonderful. Do you come to church like that? Do you come with that kind of expectation? I want us to. I want us to have spiritual gifts in our atmosphere, in our expectation as we gather together. Because I don't think we're quite there yet. Okay? I don't think we're quite there yet. Not because we're unable, not because we're unwilling, but because I think, I think it's safe to say, I think it's because we're not always confident in using them. Anybody? Not always confident. You're just a bit worried that, you know, I might get it wrong, or I might be wrong, something like that. We're afraid of getting it wrong, aren't we? It's a very British thing that we're afraid of getting things wrong. Or it might be just that you think, well, there's somebody over there who's much more gifted than me. You know, God's going to use them, they're not going to use me. I was at a conference, as I said, this week, and there was all these more gifted people than me there. And I wanted, I had a prophetic word to bring. And so I thought, well, there's more gifted people than me here, so I'll just keep quiet. And of course, nobody brought that prophetic word, but the whole of the last session of the conference was taken over with my prophetic word. And nobody knew that I had that prophetic word, but God did it anyway. We just, we get that attitude of, there's other people more gifted than me, more able than I am to communicate these things. It's natural. But how did that person get to be more gifted? Practice. So we need to practice. We need to practice using spiritual gifts. And if we as a church are going to create an atmosphere for spiritual gifts, then we're going to need to create an atmosphere where it's okay to try things out. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay, let me say, at risk, to get things completely wrong. Okay, completely wrong. How about that? Is that okay with you? Is that okay with you if we have that kind of atmosphere as a church? That we give people that kind of freedom, that kind of liberty, where, come on guys, have a go. It's all right, we're going to love you anyway. Even if you get it completely wrong, it doesn't matter. Would you allow people to practice on you? Do you know, I've just got to say Today, you're going to have to speak back to me, because otherwise I'm just going to keep asking you questions. All right. Is it okay if people can practice on you? Is it okay? All right, just look around the room and say, it's okay for you to practice on me. (laughs) Just say to the person behind you, I'll still love you even if you get it wrong. 
Praise God, eh? What a lovely bunch of people. So would it be okay if I practiced on you then? Would it be okay if I practiced on you now? Okay. Yeah? Who would like a prophetic word? <laughs> oh, come on. Shall I, shall, I, shall I take a risk? Shall I step out here? Shall I, shall I get it wrong? If you would like God to speak to you today, I'm not going to speak to everybody. Just one or two. Just stand up. Cool. No, sorry, I've got anything. <laughs> All right, let's just pray then. Can you pray for me? So, Holy Spirit, we just pray right now. Would you give us words of knowledge? Give me words of knowledge. Would you give us words of prophecy? We want to encourage people. We want to build them up. I didn't hear you praying for me. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. So, Holy Spirit, just come there. Mm. Mark, just feel that uh, God's taking you to new heights. He's going to, you're going to encounter him in a way that you've not done before. There's been something in you that's just been stirring. God's been stirring you in your heart. And there's been a desire for an encounter with God that is new, actually. It's almost desperate. There's such a thirst in you, such a hunger in you. God's going to take you into new heights. And his spirit's on you. Even now, actually, his spirit is on you. Thank you. Mark, did I get that wrong? No, okay. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit. Oh dear, I've got words for lots of people now, and I don't know which where to go. Just wave your hand if you really want a word. <laughs> All right, Hannah. Oh, Holy Spirit's right on you. And his glory is with you. And increasingly, he's going to use you to speak to other women about Jesus. And there's just a liberty coming on you to speak. It's like your mouth has been shut for a bit, but it's coming on you very quickly to speak. And you're going to speak into situations that surprise you. You'll say, I didn't think I could speak like that. I didn't think I could have that kind of conversation. I thought that was for other people. I thought that was for evangelistic type people. And actually God's saying, I'm giving you words to say, especially to non-Christian women at the moment. And even now God's putting somebody on your heart. Even now he's putting somebody on your heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. How was that, Hannah? All right, okay. Repeating myself. Okay, from somebody else. Praise God. Okay, well, that's enough of that for now, I think. I think there's going to be, there's going to be more later, all right? We're going to do some more later on. I just, do you know, I want to loosen things up. Do you get that? Let's loosen things up. Let's make some mistakes. Let's step out and see God do some new things. But having lots of spiritual gifts wasn't the whole story for the Corinthians. There were some problems. So let's turn to the second passage that we're going to look at today. It's in, because Paul's teaching, so I've, I've pointed you to the contents page, if you like, chapter 1. But Paul's teaching about spiritual gifts goes from chapters 12 to 14. So let's just turn to chapter 12, where he begins to teach about spiritual gifts. 
And I love this passage because within the heart of this passage I'm going to read to you now is one of the best definitions I can find for spiritual gifts. Let me just read the whole passage to you. I'm going to read verses 1 to 11, but we're only going to focus on the first three just in case you get worried, okay? So I'm going to read 1 to 11, put it in context, look out for the definition as we go through. Here we go. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of languages, and still to another the interpretation of those languages. And all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives to them, he gives them to each one, just as he determines. Each one, okay? Each one, that means everybody. Each one, he gives them to each one, just as he determines. Me, Lord, use me. Each one, just as he determines. Did you spot the definition? Did you spot the definition? Here it is. It's in verse 7. Paul says that spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. That's the best definition that I can come up with for spiritual gifts, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. This means that in an atmosphere where spiritual gifts are freely used, it's an atmosphere where the presence of God is manifest. Whether it's through preaching, prophecy, worship or prayer, the presence of God becomes more tangible and more visible through the exercise of spiritual gifts, and it does us good. An atmosphere of God's presence. I mean, perhaps you felt this earlier during worship. Or perhaps you felt it when I brought those words who felt it when I brought those words? There was a change in the atmosphere as I started to prophesy. Who felt that? Just the peace of God, just the heaviness of his spirit came on us as I did that. The presence of God becomes more tangible. Or perhaps you've experienced it at other times, particularly when somebody gives you a prophetic word and there's a witness in your heart. You feel the power of it. I really felt it on Eldership Sunday. You might have noticed because the power of God was just so strong as people prophesied over us for 45 minutes. Matt Partridge says he's never seen that happen in a church before, where people were just prophesied over for 45 minutes. We didn't have a long sermon. We had 45 minutes of prophecy. It was so impactful. The power of God was there. It was wonderful. The presence of God was manifest through the use of spiritual gifts. 
And which one comes first? The presence of God or the spiritual gifts? Either or both. Sometimes God comes and spirits and spiritual gifts are released. So sometimes I'll say, or Steve will say, or we have to leave in the meeting, say, just like there's a spirit of prophecy coming on the meeting right now. The presence of God has come, and there's just a freedom there to prophesy. Or just a few weeks ago, I said, I think Steve and I said together almost, I think there's a spirit of healing. God's just wanting to heal people. And there was a couple of people healed. Would you like to just come and tell us what happened, Sue? You're going to have to use the mic. Um, well, I had I had toothache. I'd had toothache for about three weeks before I'd even mentioned it. And I'd read um, Psalm 103, and it said, Praise the Lord, all my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name, who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases and redeems my life from the pit and crowns my life with love and compassion and I determined in my heart that I wanted God to heal me of that toothache I determined that I wanted God to be the sole um, provider of that healing anyway um, on a Sunday I said to Robert I'd, I'd got toothache during that week at work I had excruciating pain Rob prayed for me it went warm but that week I had excruciating pain at work so bad that I put my head down on my desk and I said I don't know what to do with myself and I emailed Rob at that point and said I'm in excruciating pain and I don't know what to do with myself and he emailed some things back about holding on to your healing and it is holding on to your healing it is sometimes God can just heal but sometimes you go on a journey with God and that journey with God was about God lifting up my head and uh, at that point when I had my head down you know I didn't know what to do with myself but the following Sunday Steve had a word of knowledge about about teeth and and we've just been praying since and it's completely healed I just want to say that it's completely healed and that that God has done that. Nothing else has happened except that God has done that by prayer. So I just want to testify about that. Amen. Come on, a round of applause. So which comes first? Sometimes the presence of God just comes on us as we worship and spiritual gifts are unlocked. Other times it's the spiritual gift that's brought in obedience to God that brings the presence of God. It unlocks it like a tongue will come and it suddenly changes the atmosphere uh, or a powerful prayer of intercession. The atmosphere just changes and the presence of God comes amongst us. And do you know, if we want our meetings to be saturated with the presence of God, we need to be open to use spiritual gifts to give space to them and make them a key part of our time together because through them we bring the manifest presence of God. It's almost like when we prophesy, when we step out, when we do these things, that God just can't resist it. (laughs) He just comes on that gift, on that step of faith. I was reading about um, Smith Wigglesworth and he said a very bold and audacious thing. He says, I start out in the... Fl- I might have got it wrong, actually. It might not be Smith Wigglesworth, and I can't remember who it is. But it's a great quote. You've got to believe me. 
He says, I start out in the flesh, I start out in faith, and then God meets me in the spirit, and then I'm off. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth. Sometimes we just need to take a step of faith and need to step out, and God will meet us. And it's not just for Christians either. The manifestation of the Spirit through spiritual gifts affects unbelievers too. Elsewhere, Paul encourages us not to hold back when unbelievers are present. Don't hold back, he says. Um, in my experience, unbelievers are less worried about spiritual gifts than Christians anyway. We had somebody come and visit us a couple of years ago, a family, came along to the church for a bit, and they said, oh, we love the worship, we love the freedom there, uh, we love the teaching, we think that's really good, uh, we love the feel of the church, but we just don't like those spiritual gifts, uh, especially those tongues, we don't like those very much. If you could just stop those, then we would join your church. I said, oh, I'm sorry, it's a, that's a deal breaker. We want to have spiritual gifts amongst us to bring the presence of God. And Paul says that if an unbeliever comes amongst us when everybody is prophesying, which is apparently how it was in Corinth, think about that. Otherwise, why would he have said it? He says, when everybody's prophesying, an unbeliever comes amongst you, and it says that he'll, he will, he will find that the secrets of his heart are laid bare, and he will fall down and exclaim, God is really among you. I think that's fantastic. I know I, if you've heard me speak on spiritual gifts, I get that into just about every talk. Because <laughs> I long for that. I've seen it before. I've seen it a couple of times. I was uh, with uh, a Kenyan pastor last week. He leads a church of about 750 people in Kakamika. Oh, got it right. Kakamika in Kenya. It's a Muslim stronghold in that area. They've had the most horrendous uh, range of death threats, uh, threats of violence in that place. And he told me three different stories, but I'll just tell you one. But that, what, that on one occasion, some of the men from the mosque came with knives to kill the pastor. And uh, they came in at the back of the building, and they had their knives in their hands, and they were ready to run forward. And as they walked in, the church were worshipping, prophesying, you name it, African church, God there. The knives were pulled out of their hands, flew up out of their hands, and they fell on the floor under the power of God. And then they ran out, frightened by what they'd encountered. <laughs> Manifest presence of God. Wow. There's lots of stories like that. When I was, uh, we were in our previous church, somebody had a word of knowledge and said, there's somebody here who's got a numb finger. Oh, I thought, that sounds so pathetic, a numb finger. Couldn't you come up with something better than that? Anyway, so he stood up and said, this very bold person, you've met him, Mark Mitchell, he stood up there and he said, it's a numb finger, and right now God is touching your finger, and all the feeling is coming back to your finger. And then that was it, we didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything about it, nobody responded, nobody... A year later, <laughs> Raj Patel gave his testimony at church. He'd been out on a stag night the day before. He wasn't a Christian at all from a completely non-Christian background. He'd been dragged to church. They'd been up most of the night and been out on a stag night. And he was falling asleep in the service when somebody said, God's touching your finger. He felt the power of God go through his finger <laughs> and it was completely restored. And now he's got this really good finger that works properly. 
God just came in that moment and touched him. Wonderful. Power of God comes and the secrets of your heart or your body are revealed. So let me ask you then, are we really serious about the presence of God? Don't answer that quickly. Are we really serious about the presence of God? Will we agree together today to stir up those gifts again? Now some of you need the Holy Spirit to blow on your gifts again because they've fallen into a bit of disuse. Are you prepared for that? To let God stir up the gift in you again? I'm going to give an opportunity for that today. I'm going to pray for some people at the end. But what if I get it wrong? Let's just come back to that, because I skated neatly over that, you might have noticed. Because I wanted to get you hungry for this first. And I'm going to talk about what about if I get it wrong. I mentioned earlier about creating an atmosphere where people are free to make mistakes or get it wrong. And this is a serious question, because we don't want to be deceived. We don't want to mess things up for ourselves or for others, do we? And that's part of the reason why we don't want to get things wrong. Well, Paul acknowledges these risks, I believe, in this chapter. He begins this chapter 12 like this. It's not actually uh, now about spiritual gifts. That word isn't there. Actually, the, the phrase is now about spiritual things, about the things of the Spirit. About spiritual things, he says, there's some things that you need to know. And he says right at the beginning, and it's right at the beginning of his teaching on spiritual gifts that he acknowledges two things, and it's in verse 2. He says, first of all, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Firstly, he says, you're from a pagan background. You were superstitious, you were immoral, you were idol worshippers. Bear this in mind and be aware how this may colour what you're seeing or doing. And it's true to say that your background can often affect who you are and what you do. For us, it may not be paganism, or it may be. Um, that it might not be our particular problem, but there are other things that have messed us up from our past, or even in our culture can mess us up. There are things from all our lives that can contaminate the contributions that we bring, send us down some rabbit holes from time to time. I mean, my background, as you know, if you've been around me for very long, well, you won't know it, actually. You'll know it because I've told you about it, I hope, not because I am like this. But my background's quite legalistic. And uh, as a teenager, I'd often hear prophecies or sermons that were given in a very condemning or rebuking tone. So there's no doubt about it, when I first started prophesying, they probably sounded a bit like that, because I'd been affected by that atmosphere, by what was modelled for me. But in reality, there will always be a mixture of me or you and the Holy Spirit in our contributions. None of us will always get it 100% right. None of us will be completely free from prejudice or won't be, or it won't be colored by our experiences or by our personalities. Paul freely acknowledges this here, but he doesn't tell them to stop with their contributions. He said, remember, you were pagans, just bear that in mind. But he doesn't tell them not to contribute anymore. 
Secondly, Paul says you've been deceived before. He says you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. He says, well, that's why I'm having to write to you. (laughs) That's why he's having to write to them, to correct them, to give them a clarity about the truth. He says, that's why I'm giving you the Bible to rely on, to keep you on that narrow path of truth. There's no doubt about it, your history can let you down. I failed before. Anybody? Anybody ever got it wrong? Wow, so few people in this church have ever got it wrong. Wow, God, forgive them. (laughs) You know, some of us have been deceived or mistaken in the past, said wrong things, got the wrong impression. Some of us have even been guilty of preaching against things, which when we look back on it now, it just seems so silly. I was at this conference last week where David Carr was speaking about how God had convicted him of having a wrong attitude to people in other churches, especially non-charismatic ones. And he talked about how in the past he'd preached against certain things and, and he says it was the grace of God to him that um, CDs were invented and cassettes fell out into, dis- into disuse and they've all been destroyed now. He says because some of those early sermons, he would just be so mortified if they were played again now. Such a hellfire and brimstone attitude towards things that weren't necessary. And you know, God is, and, and some of us in the charismatic movement, I, I would agree, have have been wrong, been arrogant, and brought division where it wasn't really necessary in the body of Christ. There should have been unity on many more things. God's now doing, I believe, an amazing work in bringing some of these people together. We're beginning to see a fresh move of the Holy Spirit, I think, that will cross denominational boundaries. I really believe that. I was at a meeting uh, last week, I was just wondering whether I could say it or not, uh, with a very wide mixture of people in, and I had to do a talk, and it's the first time I've given done a talk in that kind of context before. Do you know God came? The presence of God came. God did amazing things, I can't tell you any more than that, but it was pretty amazing. God's doing some new things. But despite then our tendency to get things wrong, Paul doesn't forbid us from contributing. He tells us not to be ignorant. Perhaps we could put it more positively. He says, learn some wisdom. Learn some wisdom. We have all got things wrong. We will all get them wrong again, okay? Everybody. But this is no reason not to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And today, I just want to release you from the fear of getting it wrong. I want to release you from that in Jesus' name. It's a kind of legalism, guys. The fear of getting it wrong. I want to release you from the fear of messing it up or worrying about what people think. I want to release you from the fear of men in Jesus' name. Jubilee Church is a safe place for people to make mistakes to grow and to learn. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, we're in agreement here. And, you know, Steve and I don't have a problem as elders here as long as people are open to correction and learning some things if they need to. And we're not going to come down on people like a ton of bricks. 
I'll just get alongside you and say, oh, you know, Jesus did actually raise from the dead, or whatever it is that you kind of got wrong. <laughs> Hopefully it wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> but at the same time, we're not blasé, and we do take error seriously, and uh, we're not complacent about error, And but a lot of this is common sense. So Paul goes on to say in verse 3, he says, No one who is speaking by the Spirit of God is going to say, Jesus be cursed. But on the other hand, he goes on to say, No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. I just want to unpack that for you very quickly, and then we'll come to a close. No one is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed. You see, spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit, and it would never inspire anybody, he would never inspire anybody, to curse Jesus or undermine who he is or what he stands for. It's just common sense, isn't it? The Holy Spirit just wouldn't do that. Especially when it comes to Jesus. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit always lifts me up. That's how you know it's of the Holy Spirit, always lifts up Jesus. Which means that even in an atmosphere that allows us to make mistakes, we must still exercise wisdom, discernment, and intelligence. We don't throw our brains out when we start using spiritual gifts or when spiritual things happen in the church. A few of us were at a conference uh, last month and we heard some incredible things. We experienced some incredible things, some great teaching and worship, like, honestly, I've never experienced before. On one particular occasion, the worship leader, who is a hero of mine, I've just got to confess that to you, Martin Smith was leading worship, formerly of Delirious, my boyhood band. And he was leading worship, and uh, there was a certain point where he could have gone further. He really had us in the palm of his hands. And he was just about to start the next song, and he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry, I've got it wrong. And he stepped back, he put his instrument down, all the other musicians did the same thing. And they knelt on the floor. There was nobody sitting at any instrument, and then the presence of God came like I have never known before. And we heard this sound, we heard this sound, and I tell you, I can't describe it actually, but it's the best thing I can describe it, is it's like a crying baby. Um <laughs> The best way I can describe it is like the drone of a bagpipe starting low and building and building and building and just this sound and then the whole, the whole group of people just got up and started worshipping God. No instruments being prayed, nothing, just the power of God and, and praise like I've never experienced before. And I was thinking, wow, that was pretty amazing. I wonder what it was. And uh, I just happened to be sitting behind the girlfriend of the sound man the sound man came running forward to his girlfriend. He was speaking so loud I could hear him, saying, what was that? We had everything turned off. There were no instruments. He says, I don't understand what it was. He says, I think it was angels. And it was. It was angels singing in the meeting. It was amazing. I tell you, I've been ruined for worship ever since. Hey, Vicky, huh? Fantastic. But not everything was of God. Not everything there was of God. Some of it was flesh. Some of it was emotion. Some of it was demonic even. There's always a mixture and we need to learn how to distinguish these things. It's certainly part of the role of an elder actually to do that, to protect the church in that way. And perhaps we'll talk about that a bit more later on in the series. But really it's just common sense. 
Okay, it's, it's nothing special about it, it's common sense. But the verse also teaches us that we can take very little credit for when we get it right as well. <laughs> it says, you know, you can't even say Jesus is Lord from the heart, that's the sense of it, unless you've had a revelation of the Holy Spirit. We're having this discussion at Alpha at the moment, we're doing Alpha, and uh, there's a guy on our table who desperately wants to believe, but somehow he can't. Up here, he's got it, but something's not happened down here. We're trying to explain what it means to have an encounter of faith. You know, uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said he was driving on a journey, and he says when he was in London, he didn't believe. By the time he got to Oxford, he did. Something had changed in his heart, and he couldn't explain it. We've got the gift of faith. He said, well, how'd you get it? I said, well, God's got to give it to you. You can't even say Jesus is Lord. You can't even acknowledge him as your master unless God does a work in your heart. How about that? You cannot save yourself. And you can't take any credit for when you get it right either. I think actually taking God's glory is just as serious as cursing Jesus anyway. Just as serious. But it's an error that we are a lot less sensitive about. Don't take Jesus' glory. Don't claim the credit for when you get it right, occasionally. Sometimes it's just exciting to get it right, isn't it? Let's just sum up. There's a picture coming up on the screen of the Amazon River. Look at that, isn't that beautiful? Look at it, look at the depth. We've got these water, these streams, these rivers, like that, over us at the moment. It's a physical thing. But the Holy Spirit says, as in the natural, so in the spiritual. I believe that we're living in a time when the atmosphere of heaven is just within our reach. It's just over our heads. And there are tremendous resources at our disposal, and we need to pull them down by faith, prayer, and by creating the atmosphere of heaven in our lives. One of the ways that we can do this is through using spiritual gifts. They are a manifestation of the presence of God, so we need to stir them up. And we've got a lot of spiritual gifts amongst us as a church. But we also need an atmosphere where it's okay to make mistakes and to try things out. We're going to make mistakes, guys. We are going to make mistakes. The man who never made a mistake never made anything, as the maxim goes. We're going to make some mistakes. Get over it. (laughs) I'd rather have the Spirit of God amongst us and a few mistakes. Paul says, you've got every spiritual gift. You've got no lack of spiritual gifts. Despite all their problems, he doesn't close them down. If any church should have been closed down because of immorality, it should have been the Corinthians. But he didn't. And today, I think this talk is really about releasing the church from the fear of making mistakes. We're not complacent about error, but we need space to try some things out. So I just want to pray for you. Uh, I want to pray for a fresh anointing. On us, I prayed a bit earlier, and then I don't know what time it is. We quarter two. I can't work out what that means. 
Does that mean we're late or early or... Sorry? Time to close. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to pray and then I want to give you some space to come and share some words. All right? So if you've been using the gift of prophecy up and, up until now, um, I would like to pray for you and then I'm going to invite you to come and share some stuff. Ha, 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 you won't own up now, will you? <laughs> come up and share some stuff if you want to. You don't have to. All right? So, would you like to stand? I'm going to pray for everybody. But I want people who've got the gift of prophecy to be thinking. And tell me, if you've got the gift of prophecy, and you put, if you've got a word to share, could you just put your hand up first and I'll call you forward and do it like that? Okay, thank you. So, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come now. Holy Spirit, we ask you now for a release of your power in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, will you blow wind out of heaven (laughs) across us now in Jesus' name and stir up spiritual gifts amongst us powerfully, Lord. We want to be a church that's rich in spiritual gifts, saturated with the presence of God, the manifest presence of God. We ask you for that in Jesus' name. So just come and fill us afresh, Lord. Forgive us if we've been holding back. Forgive us, Lord, if we've been reluctant. Forgive us, Lord, if it's just that we've not been walking with you. Forgive us. We come back to you now. (laughs) It's that quick. It's that easy. Just come back to him now. Don't be under condemnation. Just come before him. Just fill us with your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, for uh, an injection of confidence, a gift of faith for us as a church. Thank you, Lord Jesus.